You're listening to Halford and Bruff. Kind of last year when Rick got here, it's um, like we, we felt like it was a fresh start. You know, a lot of distraction and turmoil. I'm I'm happy to dialogue and, 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 and hash it out, but in real time, in real moment, you can't have bad body language for your teammates. What does number 100 mean to you? That means oh yeah, a three nothing game. Uh, yeah, hopefully the next hundred comes faster. Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. Good morning, Vancouver 601 on a Friday. Happy Friday, everybody. It is Alfred. It is Bruff. It is Sportsnet 650. We are coming live from the Kintech Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. Hey, dog. Good morning to you. Good morning. Laddie, good morning to you as well. Hello, hello. Alfred and Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer. Today, we are in hour one of the program. Hour one is brought to you by North Star metal recycling vancouver's premier metal recycler pays the highest prices on scrap metal north star metal recycling they recycle you get paid visit them at 1170 powell street in vancouver we are coming to you live from the kintech studio kintech canada's favorite orthotics provider powered by thousands of five-star google reviews sore feet what are you waiting for hey kintech gonna try some new things some new characters different different accent every day for the character i think we're gonna start straying away from accents oh yeah I feel like we're already towing the line of being canceled, and I feel like toying with accents. Mm-hmm. But they're, just they're loving the homages, though. Sorry? They're loving homages. I don't know about that. I don't know if it's an homage. Some call it mocking. <laughs> okay, we got a big show ahead. Uh, we got a lot of guests. To- I'm very excited about our first guest, Mr. Game 7 himself, former NHLer, now an NHL analyst for Sportsnet. Justin Williams is going to join the program. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to him just about the many big goals that he scored in the many big games um, that he played in. I think a great question for Justin Williams is um, what would he say to some of the young Canucks that don't have the playoff experience, you know, outside of some, Mr. Out, Game 7? outside of the bubble, um, how valuable is it? And what do you need to learn about going into the playoffs when you haven't been in the playoffs for a while? Yeah, and you want to talk about guys that have faced adversity. I'm going to ask him a question about the early parts of his career. You know, he had not one, but two ACL tears early in his <laughs> right? career and a torn Achilles. And he still came back to have the kind of career that he had. So Justin Williams at 6.30, 7 o'clock. Uh, we're doing our weekly hit with AJ's Pizza, but not with AJ. Some say the better half of AJ's Pizza, Teresa. AJ's wife is going to join us. Uh, we'll look ahead to the weekend. I heard there might be a new exciting promo for listeners. I'm just throwing it out there. No confirmation as of yet, 7 o'clock. Uh, Teresa from AJ's Pizza is going to join us. I mentioned that because it is Ask Us Anything. Friday, if you want to win the $100 gift card, to AJ's Pizza. Send an Ask Us Anything in and do it now. Dunbar Lumber text line is 650-650. Hashtag it AUA. Put a pizza emoji into the text. The best Ask Us Anything will win a $100 gift card to AJ's Pizza. Uh, other guests today, 7.30, we got Moj. 8 o'clock, we got Rick Dollywall. We're also going to do our playnow.com BCLC locks of the week, the AFC and NFC Championship games on Sunday. So it's a big show ahead. Working in reverse on the guest list, 8 o'clock. 
Rick Dollywall. 7.30, Bob the Moj Marjanovic. 7 o'clock, our weekly hit with AJ's Pizza. 6.30, Mr. Game 7, Justin Williams. Big show ahead. Without further ado, Laddie, let's tell everybody what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. What happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? You missed that? What Happened is brought to you by the BC Construction Safety Alliance, making safety simpler by giving construction companies the best in tools, resources, and safety training. Visit them online at bccsa.ca. So yesterday, the Canucks practiced ahead of last night's Dyson Ice, their annual charity event, ahead of tomorrow's game against the Columbus Blue Jackets. But I imagine they'll get the day off today. It was probably a late night for some of the boys last night. That Dyson ice gets crazy, man. Yeah, running the Ian Cole running the craps table, <laughs> Thatcher Demko dealing blackjack. It was a wild night. They may get today off, but none of these stories that I just brought up held a candle to the story that really kind of took over, especially social media. Imagine that yesterday. And it all kind of stemmed from a back and forth that Canucks reporter Jeff Patterson had with Canucks head coach Rick Tockett about two things. One, the comments Rick Tockett made about Elias Pettersson uh, following the loss to St. Louis on Wednesday night. The other part of it was how those comments were either portrayed by the media or how Tockett didn't necessarily like how the media was portraying those comments. I think what we need to do right here is maybe play the audio mm-hmm. of exactly what was going on. Can I just can I just say I one thing? Jump right in. One thing before we play the audio. I feel like all of this was a bit of a game of broken telephone. You know what? You've got a point there. Because it was like, well, this guy said this about what I said about Petey. Yeah. And this media outlet said this, and then all you guys are the media together, and there was a sort of disconnect yeah. throughout the entire thing. Because I didn't. Well, it's worth noting the blasting thing as well was not even from us, like was from Vancouver. It was like a byline from like a Toronto-based Canucks article on like the Sportsnet website. Anyway, I started blasting. Did anyone say blast though? There was. Well, I think the article said it in the headline, but as, yes. as like as far as a quote goes from for, like a... for for what for what organization. Sportsnet. Our, our, that didn't say blasting. Yeah, there's a, there's a screen grab yeah. going around. No, the screen grab said something like, talk it calls out Pedersen. There was no blasting whatsoever. There's, there was no headline out there that said, talk it blasts Pedersen. The screen grab said, talk it calls out, calls out yeah. Pedersen. Right. Which I suppose we can get into later, but like the like my that, point that, is, it wasn't no, 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 even generated no, from here, though. But right? my That's point is, this whole thing was broken telephone. Like nobody said blasting. Are you looking yeah, at the screen? I know what you're now? saying. Yeah, like, trying to find it. Yeah, no, we got, you won't it, find it, it by googling scrubbed from the internet. You won't find it by googling talk at blast Pedersen because does that does that say blasting? No, purple monkey dishwasher. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. calls out. Yeah, calls out. So is that? Yeah. It's not blasting, right? It's so it's also silly. This is this it's is ridiculous. This is but totally that's silly. Too, that speaks to his point about this being yeah. a game of broken telephone. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So let's 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 uh, let's hear talk, talking about how he blasted Pedersen, and then <laughs> <here's>, <laughs> do we have do we have do we have the question that J Pat asked? Okay, yeah. because I think J Pat said the word blasting, and then Talkit was like. Now I'm reading about me blast. Blasting has lost all meaning. Go. 
Right. You were asked questions about Elias last night, and you gave a pretty direct answer. And in a market like this one, that's sort of taken as the coach blasted, you know, one of his star players. Uh, I assume whatever you say to us in the media, you would say to the players, and like, I mean, where's the level of communication in that regard in terms of criticizing? Players? Well, I didn't think he scaled last night. So the article I blasted him. I mean, that's you guys. I mean, but what do you want him to say? I mean, you guys are taking it to a. If Hoggy has a bad game, a couple of bad games, I say it, but it's not in the paper. Like, Pete's a big man. You know, he had a tough night skating-wise, I thought. It's over with. You know, he played 21 minutes. He's not on the end of the bench, so we're, we're taking this to a different level. Like, yeah, it's different. I, I was on your side as a media guy, right, and I get it. But you guys got to analyze the game, too. You got to understand certain things, too. So it's not talk that has a problem with Pedersen. It's you asked me a question, who was good, who was bad. So I got to be careful because if if you guys are going to ask me questions now, a player, I'm not going to say I'm going to say no comment. I'll let you guys analyze it. So you guys got to be careful. That's not a big deal. He's out there smiling. It's not a big deal. So maybe it's a story that we're we're winning a lot and we're looking for negativity. That's the way I look at it. Not to blast you guys. It's just frustrating because it's it's you know over the net, internet talking blast at, at Pedersen. So I don't know how I blasted him. I just said he had a tough night. Do you and think there's a fatigue factor? I mean, we go back our, to the road trip, you're lighting it up. I mean, I just remember as you Some guys go through down. stretches. Yeah. Whether you're a good player or not, and sometimes you got to be reminded, hey, you got to skate, you got to manage the puck. You know, you got to get some good angles. It's, I don't care who you are. You know, it's, and, you know, you're looking for consistency, and he's a consistent guy, and that's it. Go to work. Yeah. Yep. So that was, that was talking blasting away at the Vancouver media. So much blasting. A lot of history. blasting going on. Um, yeah. I'm actually hesitant to spend too much time talking about this because it too often gets perceived as the media as us acting defensively and we have a habit of navel gazing sometimes and talking too much about ourselves when really we we shouldn't be part of the story but I get exactly what Tockett was saying and I don't blame him for anything that he said yesterday he does not want any sort of narrative to start that he isn't fully supportive of Petey as a player and a person. He thinks Petey can play better if he moves his feet a little more. That's it. As he said, it's not a big deal. Every hockey player in the world has been reminded at some point to keep his feet moving. It's nothing bigger than that. Yes, even star players need reminders sometimes, and it's okay to get some guidance from your coach. That's what the coach is for. I thought Petey handled it perfectly well, too. He said, we play a professional game and the coach wants more of me. I'm going to try and do a better job next game. Perfect answer. Petey, Petey also took responsibility for the two turnovers he had in overtime. And he downplayed the non-call that led to the Blues winning goal. Again, perfect. Here's the thing. This is Pedersen we're talking about. So there's added weight to any conversation about him, especially if there's any semblance of a perceived negative, yep. which is what Tockett was getting at. The fact is, here are the facts. We don't know for sure if he'll be back next season. The Canucks badly want him back, so they're going to be protective of him. The fans want him back, so they're going to be protective of him too. Reporters are supposed to be more neutral. So their objectives aren't always aligned with the team and the fans, even though the fans sometimes call on the media to help out the team, which isn't the media's job. 
But I will admit, and I think we can all admit, even the people in the media, sometimes media outlets do try to make a story more salacious than it really is. For the clicks, the kids say. The clicks. Gotta, the get, the, sport, gotta get those clicks, man. The, sports, clicks. the Sportsnet headline read, Tockett calls out Pedersen, says he hasn't liked his game lately. Now, was that an egregious headline? No. Not really. No. Because no. Tockett did say he hadn't liked his game lately. Here's the full quote. I haven't liked his game the last three or four games. Not just the last game, the last three or four games. We've got to get him going. I think he's got to skate. He's got to start skating a little bit. I think he's good with the moves sometimes, but I think when you have speed and make those moves, that's when he's at his best. We'll get him going. Was it a criticism? Of course it was. It was a well-intentioned suggestion that he do something differently, i.e. move his feet. But I'm not sure you'd say that he was calling out Pedersen. That's That's where I'd probably take. No one said blasting. No one said blasting, but calling out even might have been a little bit much. Yeah, I would have just put talk and then the quote probably if I was writing it. It was just an honest answer to a question, and it ended with optimism that he'd find a way to get him going. A call out to me is different than that. I think when you call a player out, it tends to be more unprompted and harsh, like you're at the end of your rope and you're trying to send a message through the media Almost like you're trying to shame the player into changing his ways. Like, fine, I'll go to the media with this. Kind of like what Rick Bonus did when the Jets were eliminated from the playoffs last season. That was a call-out. Which, by the way, <laughs> resulted in some high-profile players being shipped out. I don't think Tockett saying Petey needs to skate more is even close to the same thing. Um, and Tockett said, listen, I'm not saying things to the media to send a message to the players. I don't do that. I'm not telling you anything they don't already know. Um, One final thing. I wrote some stuff out, if you can't tell. One final thing. And this point extends to more than sports. I do think some people out there overuse the word negative or negativity. In my mind, identifying a potential stumbling block is not negative It's not negative to wonder if Petey is going to re-sign in Vancouver. It's not negative to wonder if Petey might need more complimentary line mates or if there are things he can do to take his game to a higher level. What do you think Tockett thinks about all day? It's curiosity by a passionate fan base that wants to celebrate a Stanley Cup one day. Now, I get that some people just want to live in the moment and enjoy the season, and I think we've been doing plenty of enjoying this season. In fact, it's been like it's it's been great. And we've said repeatedly what a remarkable surprise it's been. I've said remarkable so many times that word has lost all meaning to me. And how much fun it's been to cover the team again, looking ahead to the playoffs as opposed to the draft lottery. We we we've marveled at this turnaround. We've said how many times has this happened in the NHL? But as a sports talk show, should we just marvel for 3 hours a day? Or should we acknowledge that the bar has been raised and expectations are higher now? I don't think anyone on the Canucks or in the Canucks organization is feeling too satisfied or comfortable right now. In fact, 
the message, if you talk to players like Quinn Hughes or Rick Tockett, uh, they said they were saying a lot of the stuff at the Dyson Ice uh, last night is the completely opposite from being satisfied or comfortable. Now we just have different concern, concerns. So let's not be afraid to talk about those concerns. It's not negativity. It's, it's curiosity and excitement about the future. And if you're willing to be honest, you can admit that the Canucks still have some areas of concern. Otherwise, they just sit back at the trade deadline, do nothing, and plan the parade. Yep, we got it under control. That was very well said, friend. Very well said. No notes. Perfectly explained. Like we'll add, I'll add on for the the oh, notes from you, right? Yeah, yeah, but no, no, no. That was that's very well said because while you didn't want to talk about it a lot, it needed to be spoken on the whole subject because there's a lot of layers to it and there's a lot of nuance to it. And here's the thing: the Canucks are the show. They're the big show in town. When we don't talk about the Canucks, we have people texting in, why aren't you talking about the Canucks? Maybe you should talk about the Canucks more. So inevitably, conversations are going to go off in a variety of different avenues and streets and lanes and tangents and everything else. So when uh, a head coach doesn't blast, maybe calls out or simply references the team's star player who is without contract moving forward, you can kind of make the logical leap that that conversation is going to go in a variety of different ways. If we were just to park it and then talk about what Joel Embiid did last night, a lot of you would be saying, no, continue to talk about the Pedersen situation. <laughs> so I get it. I get that it's this, and this is the, the tightrope that we have to walk, and no one wants to really hear us talk about that too much. Like That's the aforementioned navel-gazing you were talking about. So, hey, are we allowed, or should we, Look at our collective media and say, do we need to do things differently? And by differently, I mean better. I think in a lot of ways, yes. Right? I thought it was funny yesterday that after Tockett said what he said in that clip, Daily Have had an article up talking about how Tockett issued a warning to Canucks media. Like, that's funny to me. It's like, well, we're not going to take all of his words out of context, but we're going to take that out of context. Because he wasn't really offering a warning. That wasn't what he was doing. But it could be interpreted as such by one particular media outlet. And when you have 18 of them covering the same team, all dying for stories and all looking for, again, mm. the aforementioned clicks, you're going to get things like this. But the reality Which of it is this. Tockett is, I would say, a breath of fresh air at times. It was awesome. With how he will say things to the media that are honest and engaging and, I think, Authentic. There's a sense of genuine answers when people have questions, right? Like he's not mm -hmm. just saying what he thinks needs to be said. He's not just reading from a cue card. He's genuinely trying to answer. I do wonder if some of it has to do with the fact that he was on the other side of the media ledger there for a while. I don't want that to go away. As a not, you know, not even a media guy, but just as a fan, I really like the way that he'll answer questions and the way that he kind of gives you an idea of exactly what's going on with his team. So I, I actually didn't have any problem with that warning headline just because like there right, was there was a bit of a warning that he said right. listen if you guys sensationalize a quote like that which again you can debate whether or not that even happened no i'm you not can even, you can debate whether that even happened but he said listen i will choose my words more carefully yeah and that's I'm not, a warning and, and i'm but that's what i'm saying i'm not uh, i'm not blasting as we use that word again anybody for the way that they interpret things let's put it that way mm -hmm. and you brought up a really good point earlier when you talked about uh the frivolous use of negativity as a classifier yeah, yeah, yeah. right interpretations are like it's a very broad spectrum right some people's negativity is other people's honesty 
Yeah, exactly. It, that, that, that is the perfect way to put it. Or curiosity. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. like oh, I'm a little concerned about, you know, Petey's line mates. They're winning games. Why do you have to be so negative? Yeah, well, uh, it's the classic, like, reading the, reading the <laughs> right? score okay, of the sorry. game from the night before. Why are you being so negative? I literally just told you what the score of the Some, game was. Sam from uh, Cowichan texts in, ha, 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 the new headline is now Halborough blasts JPAD. So yeah, like, you know what? If we're going to dish it out, we got to be able to take it. We should get into some of these other scores and uh, results and news and notes. Anyway, I started blasting. Just like. <laughs> uh, we, okay, so the Edmonton Oilers may never lose a hockey game again. That's just the reality that we live in now. We have to, I guess, embrace it because the Edmonton Oilers won their 15th consecutive game. They are now tied for the third longest win streak in NHL history. And here's the thing. They look like they might set the record. I'm just throwing it out there. Calvin Pickard. They're going to blast that record. They're going to blast that record. Calvin Pickard made 27 saves for the shadow. Connor McDavid, two goals and an assist. Edmonton wins their 15th straight game, 3-0 against Chicago on Thursday. They're going to go for win number 16, which would tie them with the 2016-2017 Columbus Blue Jackets, a mark that I still can't believe happened, but it did. For the second longest win streak in NHL history, if they're able to do that, it's on Saturday, an, an afternoon affair at Rogers Place in Edmonton against Nashville. Then they'll go into the All-Star break, and then they come out of the All-Star break with three games. Now, the tough one's going to be in Vegas. Then they go to Anaheim. Vegas is to tie the record, though, right? Vegas would be to tie the record, theoretically. they got to yeah. win all these games, of course, right? Everyone knows how this works. Well, they got to win the Nashville game yeah. on Saturday, yep. then go into the All-Star break. McDavid gets injured in the fastest skater competition, and yeah. that's it for the others. Yeah. Uh, I don't even know if they have that in, in the competition. Uh, we'll find out when he injures himself in it. So um, we kind of jokingly, not jokingly, we're saying, like, what happens? I said yesterday, I'm like, what happens if Edmonton goes on to win 35 more consecutive games in the second half of the season and catches the Canucks in the standings? But I, you, at this stage of the game, you have to consider that Edmonton is just going to continue to ascend the standings. Uh, Chris Knobloch had a quote yesterday where he said, we're not even playing all that great right now. Like, well, you know, what I think he's trying to do there is... Most winning streaks come to an end with the team still winning a few games, but they're not playing all that re- that well. That's that's at least the cliche. Mm-hmm. Um, you get you, you've got this momentum. Maybe you're on a lucky streak or whatever, um, and that's typically how it ends. So I think what he's trying to stop is, you know, I don't know if you've noticed this year, but the Oilers have been a bit streaky. And I think what he's no, he's he's trying to avoid is when the streak inevitably comes to an end, he doesn't want them to go into a losing funk because they've forgotten what made them so successful in the first place. And there's a lot of people that have pointed out, and I don't think unfairly, um, this, like don't get me wrong, this this winning streak is very very impressive, very. But they played a lot of easy teams, right? Yeah. They they didn't exactly blow Chicago out of the water. Similar to the Canucks didn't blow Chicago out of the water. Chicago can't score. No. Like they can't. They cannot put the puck in the net. They're quite poor, you know. Um, and but you know they did the same thing to the Oilers that they did to the Canucks. They they kept it relatively close. Like it was a one nothing game for a lot of that game yesterday. And you might think that Edmonton would probably want to do better. Remember, we were talking about the lotto line against Chicago. We were there like, come on, guys, what, what are you guys doing? And yeah. a lot of people are like, they're conserving energy. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, I don't know about that. But, like, 
you know, and maybe Chicago's doing some good things defensively because they know they got to keep the game low scoring. But I think what he's what he what Chris Knobloch knows is that they will lose a game at some point, but they want to keep all the good things that have been happening to them. Uh, a team that does want to start doing better, that's the Calgary Flames. They lost their fourth game in a row last night. It was not a pretty one. At home to the lowly Columbus Blue Jackets. 5-2 for the Blue Jackets in this one. Uh, of note, Jonathan Huberto got tossed in this game. Five in a game for boarding Jack Roslick when the game was still very much in the balance. Oh, did you see his reaction too? As soon as he did it, he was like, oh my God. Yeah, he knew. He was either upset at the player for turning his back on him. That was part of it. Uh, but also probably upset at himself that something bad was going to happen to him. And that was the other part of it. So the Flames now Flames are done. Are six points back of Nashville for the final wild card with equal games played. That's not good. Even worse, between Calgary and Nashville, St. Louis, Arizona, and Seattle. So I do wonder going in to this all-star break if it's time for Craig Conroy to wave the white flag on the season and say it's time to start selling some assets. We got some other scores we got to get into as well, but we need to go to break. Uh, coming up, Justin Williams, that's right, Mr. Game 7, longtime NHLer, now an NHL analyst with Sportsnet. And before we do any of this, I need to remind you about the big football party at the Clayton Public House. Pre-game to post-game, the Clayton Public House is your home of football, especially on Sunday, February 11th. Uh, visit them online at theclaytonpub.com. Catch all the action on 15 screens and two giant projectors. Again, visit them at theclaytonpub.com for more Justin Williams is coming up next on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Anyway, I started blasting. Everything Canucks before and after the games. Canucks Central with Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Yes, the Friday here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour one of the program. Mr. Game 7, Justin Williams, is going to join us in just a moment here. The highlight of hour one. Hour one is brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling. Vancouver's premier metal recycler pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling. They recycle, you get paid. Visit them at 1170 Powell Street in Vancouver. To the phone lines we go. Uh, he is a former NHLer. He is a member of the Carolina Hurricanes Hall of Fame. He is now working as an NHL analyst for Sportsnet. As Mr. Game 7, Justin William joins us now on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Morning, Justin. How are you? Oh, good morning. I'm doing great. How are you? Uh, we're good. Thanks for taking the time to do this. We really appreciate it. Uh, because we are in Vancouver, we would like to start with a little Vancouver Canucks analysis. And this is because I was watching you on the panel on Monday during Vancouver's 2 nothing win over Chicago. And during the first intermission, you guys came back from break. And you in particular, full of praise for the play of... Quinn Hughes. Uh, what are you seeing out of Quinn Hughes? Or what did you see specifically on Monday out of Quinn Hughes that maybe you hadn't seen from him in seasons past? Well, I mean, being a player who played on the West Coast, um, it, it's in, in LA for, for quite a few years, people just don't see these players enough, right? And because they don't see them enough, they don't give them enough credit or they don't give them enough 
uh, actual airtime of, of, of how good they actually are. And, and just watching Quinn just over the, over certainly this year, but, but the end of last year as well. I mean, it's just an absolute nightmare for a, a winger like I was to try and cover a guy like that who's, who's just so dynamic with his edges and, and, and can turn on a dime and is a one-man breakout. I mean, he's, he's doing things that uh, I quite frankly wasn't sure he was able to do. I didn't think he'd be that this good. And he's just really showing uh, how good he is, and 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 quite frankly, he's why he should be up for the Hart Trophy this year. How much? How how does it make it tough for wingers? Well, I mean, nowadays in the NHL, usually, yeah, it's sorry. Let me go back a little bit. About ten years ago, it wasn't as hard to cover a point man. You just went up there and they just stayed there, <laughs> right? right? <laughs> and you, you got in a shot lane and you tried to block a shot if they had one, and and that was that. Yeah, make sure and you didn't now, sneak behind you. That's it. Yeah, I mean, and now it is just, it's a five-man cycle. And these defensemen are just extremely mobile. And, you know, one second and you start looking at the play and all of a sudden they're behind you and they're getting an opportunity to score. And as you can see, Quinn doesn't need a lot of time to score. I mean, he scores, I've seen him score a couple of goals now, short side roof, mm-hmm. where you expect the goalie to have that, right? But it's amazing how he can just just find that hole and once you see it you know a couple times it's you can't just chalk it up to wow it was just a little bit i mean it's it's talent and and you just got to be aware certainly uh when he's on the ice i think the one thing that he's added to i think he's added two things to his game particularly this season he's no longer just walking the line at the blue line horizontally He's actually taken his game to attacking downhill, almost like like an, a, quor- a quarterback escaping the pressure and going for a long run, and then he goes downhill and his shot has improved. Like I, you know, the first few years he was in the league, I didn't think he had a particularly good shot, but we all saw the shot that he had at his last goal. I mean, that is a laser. So when you're able to t- uh, to to attack downhill, plus you've got that shot, you're almost like a forward out there. Yeah, I mean, it's he's he's he's, a, he's just a threat every time he's out there, right? And the fact that he's, you know, I think you overlook the fact that he doesn't spend too much time in his zone because he's so good at getting the puck out, right? I mean, he's not going to bully anybody at getting the puck off of him. He's got to use his brain, right? Because he's on the slider side, but he uses his brain very well and his body very well to minimize the time that he has to spend in the defensive zone. Uh, and in turn, you know, just gets a ton of chances offensively. But, you know, and I coach my my 15-year-old son and, and all the players on the team are like, I want to be like Quinn Hughes. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa you don't dangle with the puck at the blue line like Quinn Hughes. You know, that's not what we're doing here. And, uh, and everyone wants to, wants to duplicate it, but uh, you got to stay within yourself here within reason. Yeah, cutbacks at the blue line don't always end well. Um, no. Who it was Drew Doughty the best defenseman you've ever played with? Oh, man. Uh, I mean, he's up there. I mean, God, I mean, yeah, <laughs> it's an interesting. You'd think I've been asked that question before, but uh, I, I don't. I don't know. I, I think probably it's he would probably be the number one answer. Yes. Yeah. Um. So we wanted to talk to you about 
all your playoff experience because the Canucks do have some players that have playoff experience. They brought in a veteran like Ian Cole, but the core members of the team only for the most part have the, uh, I mean, JT Miller has some playoff experience too, and he's, he's part of the core, but the young guys like Quinn Hughes and Elias Pettersson, their only playoff experiences in the bubble, which went well for them, but there it wasn't the same, right? The, there wasn't the pressure of the fans there, probably wasn't as much media. Um, what would you think that this team needs to learn heading into the playoffs? Like, is is do you just have to go out there and experience it, or is that is there something that can be said to the team that can help them um, when they get to the playoffs? I, I I don't think so. I mean, you don't know what you don't know, right? And, you know, everyone tells you you have to have experience, you have to have this. I mean, the answer is you don't. Um, you, you, you really don't. I mean, right now what they should be doing, Vancouver, and I'm sure they are, is just enjoying this this solid run of hockey that they're on. I mean, they've, they've developed a, a, a really, really good team where I, you know, whenever I watch them, I'm, I'm – you know, obviously you have the or the lotto line is playing extremely well, but but after that, I can't really tell who the second, third, or fourth line is because it seems like everybody's pretty darn dangerous out there, and um, that's a nightmare for a lot of teams to defend. Where you know sometimes you only have to worry about one or two lines, but it seems like everybody is 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 getting some scoring and is very dynamic offensively, and is quite frankly a little scary. So I guess to answer your question, you just um, I mean, yes, experience is great, but but youthful exuberance is is quite awesome too. And, and Vancouver doesn't seem like a team that's that's scared of 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 the limelight. I mean, they play in Vancouver, like they're they're under pressure to do that. But I, I don't I don't see that as a hindrance at all. I mean, you have to get experience at, at one point, but I think they should just be you know extremely happy with where they're at. Um, and everything after this is, is, is a bonus. You see opportunity in front of you to, you know, perhaps finish first and in the West and you keep drawing for that because that's going to be a helpful thing. Um, come playoff time. Uh, we're speaking to Justin Williams, former NHL or now a Sportsnet NHL analyst here on the Halford and Bruff show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, another part of every team's journey or ascension to being really good, Justin, is that they overcome some adversity at some point. And that's something you went through in your playing career. I'm not sure how many people actually remember this because it was in the early stages of your career, but you suffered not one, but two ACL tears and a torn Achilles like that would knock a lot of guys maybe off course for their entire career was there ever a time in which you thought your career might be overdue to injury and when you look back now how much did that adversity shape the way that your career turned out yeah I mean I had a real tough four or five year stretch there in my late 20s um, early 30s where you know you just you know get labeled as a injury prone player. I mean, it's just, it's just what it is. You can't stay healthy. We can't count on it to be in the lineup every night. And that's tough, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's tough to hear, but you have to be realist with yourself at the same time, right? Being like, you know, I got, I got, I got to work for it. If I want to stay in the league, I, I got to get myself to where I need to be healthy. And, and the best thing to do in, in, you know, my experience with it was just like, say all these injuries they're they're 
they're freak injuries. Okay. They're, they're not my fault. Okay. Um, I'm just going through a tough stretch right now. I'm getting challenged. I'm going to get out here. I'm going to get healthy. I'm going to be better. And I'm going to put all this stuff behind me. Cause if you think about going out there and getting hurt, you're probably going to get hurt. Right. And I just had to flush that stuff, get it behind me. Um, and, and move on. But at the same time, you need a team that believes in you. Right. And, um, you know, in LA there, they, they, gave me a, 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 an opportunity um, when they obviously they traded for me. Um, but then after I got hurt as well, um, you know, gave me an opportunity to say, all right, this is your time to go. You know, we, we believe in you. Um, I believe that was just bad luck as well. And, and let's move on. And I was able to stay, you know, relatively healthy, really healthy actually through, you know, my early thirties and, and through the end of my career. So was happy for that. But uh, I think with adversity, um, Vancouver hasn't really had much of it this year, um, if any. Um, so I expect a little, a few bumps in the road coming down. Um, you know, maybe a maybe a three game losing streak once in the year, or something <laughs> oh like that. God. You know, what a disaster <laughs> that would be. Yeah. So listen, I see a little bit of that coming, but they've got such great leadership there. They got a you know, to the you know the coach talk. Uh, you know these these guys have seen a lot, and we'll keep the guys centered and. And when, you know, things go down, um, which they will at one point, um, it's just making sure they don't, they don't dig too deep down. Well, it's, it's funny because we spent the first part of the show talking about uh, one remark that Rick Tockett made about Elias Pettersson following last game that kind of blew up and it became a big deal. In Action the part of playing in Vancouver, you kind of alluded to it earlier. You played for four teams over your career, but most people will uh, associate you with Carolina and Los Angeles because you spent eight and seven years there, uh, respectively. Did you enjoy playing in those markets where I mean, hockey isn't front and center and isn't the number one thing? Was that an enjoyable experience for you? Um, it actually was. Um, it, it really was enjoyable. I mean, I like, you know, Carolina's um, a little bit different in the fact that it's not Los Angeles. Um, and when we were in LA, we were actually the only game in town, to be honest with you. Um, and why I kind of say that is the Dodgers weren't any good. The Lakers and Clippers both stunk at the time. And so we were like the only team that was kind of like in playoffs vying for championships at the time. So a lot of people kind of filtered over to us and right. LA is more of a, a, you know, a fair weather, uh, you know, city right like everything's if it's nice out you know people will come right they might not even know what the sport is but yeah they'll come and at the time there wasn't even a football team there so la was was fun and you could go out and no one knew who the heck you were unless you had a playoff beard on and they might be like wow that's that's different (laughs) um but it, it it was uh not under the microscope as much you know looking back on my career do i wish i maybe would have played in a Canadian city. Yeah. I, you know, I look back, be like, man, it would have been cool to play in a Canadian city, but, um, I, uh, I enjoyed my time every single place I went, you know, played in Philly and Washington with a, a little bit more hockey centric areas as well. But the bulk of my time, yeah, was spent where times I could go to the grocery store and, uh, no one knew who the heck I was. What was the greatest game seven you ever played in? And why was it in 2014 against the Blackhawks? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's exactly what it was. That was the best game seven I had ever been a part of. Uh, we were up three games to one on Chicago. We lost the next two games and then had to go back to the United Center, which is 
still one to this day, probably one of my favorite arenas to play in. It was just amazing how loud it is, the anthem, how it goes. And, um, you know, obviously the, the, the two teams, Los Angeles and Chicago, who had, you know, kind of three, four years in a row where we battled each other. I mean, it was unbelievable going down uh, 2 nothing in that game early, coming back to tie it uh, a couple times, and then uh, scoring a Martinez scoring a double overtime goal. I mean, it was, it was, when that was over, it was just a huge deep breath, like, whew, that's going to be something to, to remember for sure. Um, what is the feeling like when you're out on the ice in overtime of game seven? Is, is it like, don't make a mistake or is it, um, Hey, I want to be the hero here. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, you laid me up with that question, right? I love that. Um, yeah, I mean, look, you can't be afraid out there. Like, you just you can't be afraid. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you don't. You're not going to be um, erratic out there and 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 um, make try and make a crazy play. But I mean, you have to want to be the guy, right? You have to want to be the guy, and you have to be willing to put yourself out there to be the guy, right? Um, and and that's kind of how you approach all those games you put a smile on your face and 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 realize that that this is this is why i put in all the work right in the off season uh during the season to have an opportunity to play in a game like this in a moment like this and you just got to sit back and enjoy it and and you know err on the side of enthusiasm and not you know apprehension just go out there and get it and that's what i tried to do and i was part of really good teams how much do you miss that feeling? <clears throat> well, a lot. I, I, you know, people ask me, you know, are you, do you miss the game? And the question is going to be, you know, I'm 42 right now. Yes. But the answer is going to be the same when I'm 72. <laughs> do I miss it? Yeah, you're darn right. I'd miss it. But, uh, you know, at the same time, I'm, 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 I'm comfortable with, with, you know, where I walked away. I don't have any regrets about, you know, leaving too early um, and I'm enjoying what I do right now on the other side, doing some, uh, doing some work for the Canes and doing some analyzing on TV. What do you find the toughest thing about analyzing the game? Uh, you, you know what? Just, just trying to, um, convey accurately what you want to present to everybody, right? I know what I want to say, but can I convey it to the audience in a manner that's, um, good for them to read and, and good for them to, uh, to comprehend. Uh, I think that's the most difficult part. And, um, you know, just getting started too. And, you know, David Amber is there talking, talking, and then he turns to you and says, Justin, what did you think? And the camera turns to you and the red light comes on and you're like, Oh, uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't know what I think. Yeah. I'm go somewhere else. You know? But, well, TV's uh, tough too, because you've got time limits, you know, on radio, we're, we're having a conversation here. There's no hard time limits. If you want to take a minute to answer a question, go for it. If you want to take 30 seconds, go for it. But TV, you got to make it quick. You got to make it concise. And you've got to talk along with the, the, the video. I mean, I'm, I'm, yeah. I mean, I imagine, I imagine that adds a layer as well. Halford and I have done TV and we suck at it. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, no, it's, it, it can be difficult at times. You have someone in the area like, wrap it up, Justin, 12 seconds. You're like, oh, no, I got too much to say. <laughs> <laughs> We're speaking to Justin Williams here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, the player-coach dynamic is always an interesting one. We, we had Ian Cole on the show a little while ago, and I asked him what it was like to have Rick Tockett as an assistant coach in Pittsburgh and now a head coach uh, in Vancouver. And people like hearing about Rod Brindamore here because he's a BC guy and everything. So the question yeah. for you is, what was it like having Rod Brindamore yeah. first as a teammate and then having him as a coach later on? Yeah, Rod Brindamore, the Campbell River native. Um, we've, uh, it, to be honest, it's ve- it was very easy because Roddy is, is I swear, the same guy as he was as a captain, as as he was um, as a guy I played against, and as a guy who coached me. Like he's the same guy. He, he has the same message. Um, the only difference is he has to talk a little bit more. You know, back in when he was the captain, he didn't really speak very much. Hmm. Um, you know, he did, but you know now you hear him as a coach, right? And he's talk and talk and talk, and he's such an eloquent speaker and. Um, very good motivator. It's, it's, you wouldn't really know it. Like when I played with him and I sat next to him in the dressing room for like seven years, you know, um, it's, it's quite amazing to, um, see, you know, how we talk about conveying the information and the knowledge to other people. I mean, he does an excellent job of that. And, um, being the same guy just makes it a lot easier. You know, the same goals, the same principles, uh, the same things he teaches are the same things that he played with. And very, very, very easy making that transition. Uh, Justin, this was awesome. We got a bunch of texts coming in saying how much they love the interview. We'd love to do this again now that you're a full-fledged media member. So if we can call <laughs> on you again later on down the season, we'd love to have you back. Hi, <laughs> pal. Sweet. Enjoy the rest of the day. Yeah, you too. Thanks, Justin. We appreciate it. All right, later. Later. That's uh, Justin Williams, Mr. Game 7, former NHLer, now a Sportsnet analyst. And I should have mentioned, he is uh, a special advisor to GM Don Waddell in Carolina as oh, well. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, lots of texts coming into the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650. Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street. Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center or Butis in Vancouver. Online at DunbarLumber.com. And don't forget to get your Ask Us Anythings into the Dunbar Lumber text line, unsigned text, man, so interesting that he says you don't actually need playoff experience to achieve playoff success. Dustin from Abbey on that uh, same topic, uh, Padraig Harrington said a couple years ago, the golfer, that experience can be a very good thing, but for some people, experience brings scar tissue. Sometimes being young and dumb can be an advantage. Hopefully the Canucks don't need experience to succeed this year, um, I I I heard that quote from Patty Harrington as well, and I thought about what Tort said about the Tampa Bay Lightning team that he coached to a Stanley Cup, and he said we were too dumb to know what what we mm-hmm. were doing. Um, and then I think about um, obviously wasn't going to bring it up with Justin Williams the two years that he spent in Washington. Yeah, I was going to say where that there was a ton of scar tissue for that team, and they didn't get it done. And ironically, Mr. Game 7 leaves Washington, and Washington finally wins the Stanley Cup. Do you remember how stupid it was at the time? Because it was Washington kept losing Game 7s, and then they're like, what if? (laughs) (laughs) What if we signed Mr. Game 7? Do you think that would help us win Game 7s? 
They didn't get past the second round with them. Yeah. It's not that easy. Like when I, cause there are going to be people at this trade <laughs> deadline that are like the Canucks should go out and they should acquire a playoff veteran. I'm like, that's great. I, I understand the idea behind it, but it doesn't work like that. It's not um, a jigsaw puzzle where the missing piece is experience and you just plug it in and then the puzzle is complete. Yeah. It just doesn't work like that. You know, it has to be organic and it has to be natural and, the player that you bring in, if he's not like a real contributing member of the team, he can't just sit there and be like, well, I'm going to give off the experience aura in the room. I feel like that's what the Leafs tried. because With toughness. Well, wow, just playoff grit yeah. and that sort of thing. Um, and you can't tell me that the Leafs experience in the playoffs helped them. It hindered them. Right. Big time. 100%. And, you know, it's it's got to be the fabric of the team. It can't be something that you stitch on at the very end, if that makes sense. And, you know, teams have tried it in the past. And I think part of it is the old hockey cliches and the old hockey adages. And there are some instances. Don't get me wrong. If you want to talk about the greatest playoff performers of all time, you can start the conversation with Justin Williams, who really is known more for his playoff success than whatever he did in the regular season. He had a very good NHL career filled with regular season successes. But everyone remembers him as the guy that went to nine game sevens and won eight of them and won a Conn Smythe trophy because he just, and some of it is he knew how to play in those games, but also is he was able to be in those games. And that is stuff that is often out of your control. Mm -hmm. There's luck involved. There's breaks, right? There's a ton of luck involved. I, I bet if you were asking me, he's like, I wish some of those series we had wrapped up in five or six, right? Like, you don't need to go to game seven all the time. Anyway, we got a big... No, there's no way he would have, because then he wouldn't be called Mr. Game well, 7. Well, that's true, which is like... did He He lost one, right? He, he was lost. eight and one in nine game sevens. That is amazing. Yeah. And so I... Imagine if he just walked into the room, he's like, boys, don't worry, we're winning. Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. I'm Mr. Game 7. He hands the business card to everybody. Okay, we got a lot more to get to on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Coming up, uh, we're going to do some AJ's pizza talk. Uh, We're also going to talk to the Moj, Bob the Moj Marjanovic. 8 o'clock, it's Dolly Wall. 8.30, it's What We Learns and Ask Us Anything. So we're going to give away the aforementioned $100 $100 gift card to AJ's. We're also going to do our locks of the week coming up as well. Uh, I hit barely last week. And I, how was your, I don't remember. I'm not trying to throw you under the bus. I genuinely don't uh, remember. Mine, I had the bills, so mine didn't. Right. Okay. So we got a, we got a chance to make amends to a certain degree. We're going to pick the AFC and NFC championship games. That's coming up. We got a big couple of hours to go. Last show of the week. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.